Now, this morning is certainly is something certainly that I don't have. Um, I didn't conquer this one yet. It's a journey that God is teaching me. So, what I'm going to share this morning is something that I'm in the middle of learning. And so, uh, just in preparing and sharing, I I, I would really want to have uh, be prayed for. So, Daniel Heisey, could you come up and have a word of prayer for me before I share this? Just because this is so much of my personal journey here this morning. And what God is teaching me. So if you just want to pray for me, that'd be great. Yes. Father, thank you for this morning. Father, I ask you just to have a special, special blessing for Dale as he preaches this morning. As he speaks your word, Father, whatever he has in his heart, Father, that you would connect with you and connect with us as he speaks, Father, that we would all be drawn together in your spirit this morning. Father, Amen. thank you so much for this morning. And just bless, bless Dale's words as he preaches this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. What I'll talk about this morning is something that we don't like to do. We're living in a culture where this is becoming less and less. I see this as it's just becoming um, very minimal. It's almost, it, it seems like there's almost an agenda trying to push this thing out because it keeps, it's just becoming less. This can lead to lots of frustration. This can make or break your day. This leads to road rage. It can lead to horn honking. And I was part of it. This week I was at the light driving out south Whitmer. They're at the target. And if you drive, if you come down Whitmer and you wait for that light at 30, you know that light doesn't give you much time. You know, you got to go. It lets several cars through. And so I come up to this light, and there's a car in front of me, and the light turns green, and the car doesn't move. I don't know what they were doing. I couldn't see in the car. Were they on the phone? I don't know. They didn't go. And so what do I do? Beep! <laughs> you know? They quick, you know, it's kind of funny when you do that, because all of a sudden, they, you know, the gas pedal gets pushed extra hard then. But it was something that I was dealing with, what I'm going to talk about here this morning. This can flare up tempers. What I want to talk about this morning, if you allow it to. The Bible talks about this over and over and over again. So we're going to look at the Bible about what it says about this. This is something that takes courage. This is something that takes trust. This is something that takes faith. This is something that takes determination. And we're going to look at those things this morning. This week I learned that there's birds fly. There's three different ways that birds fly, okay? The one way is flapping. Birds can, you know, they just flap their wings, uh, <coughs> keeping wings in constant motion to de defy gravity, right? That's one way birds fly, just flap. Did you know a hummingbird can flap up to 70 times per second? That's like super fast, okay? Flapping is one way birds fly. There's lots of commotion, but you don't get real far when you flap that fast. The second way a bird flies is by gliding. A bird will go very high, and they'll just put out its wings. It'll quit flapping, and it'll just glide. Some birds can glide for a long time, but eventually, gravity will pull this bird down when you're gliding. It's a short-term flight. Because if they don't flap their wings, they just keep gliding, they'll eventually hit the dirt. The third way that birds fly, and there's only a few birds that can do this, is soaring. 
Soaring takes, uh, when, it, when a bird soars, it requires extremely strong wings to soar. And specifically, an eagle has very strong wings. And the way an eagle soars is with the strength of its wings, when there's an updraft of current or a strong wind coming from the bottom up, it'll get this and it'll hold out its wings. And that, that wind, that updraft, will just lift it right up. It doesn't even have to flap its wings, but it'll soar without flapping its wings. Did you know an eagle can fly? They've, they have, I've read, or I've heard that an eagle can fly up to 80 miles per hour without flapping its wings. Soaring. Pretty amazing. Another thing about eagles this morning that I want us to learn is a mother eagle, when it has eaglets in its nest, First of all, the nest is very comfortable for its little eaglets. And she protects them, cares for them, makes this nice little safe place for the eaglets to be in. As they become older, the eagle will intentionally stir up the nest and even maybe get some sticks and twigs and start putting some sharp spots in the nest. Just start ruffling up a little bit, that the eaglet is not comfortable there anymore. And the, the, the eagle does that more and more with the intent of making this eaglet get out of its nest and fly on its own. If the eaglet doesn't, the, the, the eagle will, will make it more intense and more intense, and if it still doesn't fly out on its own, it will actually push it down. So here goes, for the first time, here goes this little eaglet. And it doesn't even know how to fly. And it's trying to fly, but it doesn't know how to fly. The eagle is watching very closely. As that eaglet is flopping and getting down close to the ground, the mother eagle will we'll swoop down, get underneath the eaglet, and pick it up. Take it back up. It'll do that over and over again until the eaglet can fly. I have spent a lot of time flapping like a hummingbird, and I've seen other people flap like a hummingbird. A lot of commotion, but not going real far. I have also experienced, and I've seen people experience, gliding, where we work and we work to get us to this point, and once we're at that point, all right, now we got it, we're here, and then we just glide, and it's fun for a little bit, but gravity is real, and if we don't do anything, we're going to hit the dirt, and I've done that as well. And I think maybe you have experienced that as well. When you glide, you eventually hit the dirt. Soaring is something that I want to experience and I want you to experience it as well. That we learn to soar. To start flying high. We have strong wings. And we use an updraft of God, of the Holy Spirit, and we learn 
to soar. We go places without not as much energy as a hummingbird. How do we do this? What's the username? What's the password for that? Isaiah chapter 40 talks about this, and we're going to look at that. Isaiah chapter 40, you can turn your Bibles there. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 to 31, I'm going to read this, starting in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, number one. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, number two. They shall run and not be weary, number three. And number four, they shall walk and not faint. So let's just look at verse 31 a little bit. They shall renew their strength. Renewing your strength. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of times to where something runs out and you have to renew it, right? Now, we're talking about strength here. When your strength is done, of God coming and renewing your strength. That's what it says here. He shall renew your strength. The second one, you shall mount up with wings like eagles. We're going to talk about that one just in a little bit, a little bit more. That's the second thing. The third thing it does, they shall run and not be weary. Now, I know some of you run, are runners, have been runners, maybe are planning to run. But I think we all know what it's like to run. We can only run so far, and we start getting tired, right? But this verse says you can run and you won't get weary. That sounds like a good idea. They shall walk and not faint. Now, walking we can do for a lot longer of a time, right? But eventually, it depends where you're walking, how you're walking, you will get tired. But this says, let's walk. You're going to walk and not faint. Sign me up for this one, okay? We, we want this, right? I'll put my signature on that real quick, right? Renewing my strength. Mounting up with wings like eagles. Running and not growing weary. Walking and not faint. I want that. Oh, but there's a condition. And that condition is what we're going to talk about this morning. But they that wait. That's what we don't like to do. It's what I was talking about earlier on. Waiting is something we don't like to do. We're living in a culture where everything is make it faster, make it quicker, you know, get the app, order your food out ahead of time so you don't have to wait in line. 
this waiting thing is really getting pushed down in our culture. But this is the condition that the Bible talks about over and over and over again. Now, it doesn't just say waiting, you know, when you're in a doctor's office or waiting in line. It says specifically what you're supposed to wait on and who you're supposed to wait on. It says, wait on the Lord. There it is. That's your password. That's the condition of these verses, but we don't like to do that. Because we like doing things in our time. We want it done when we want it done, how we want it done, how maybe how our neighbor wants it done, or how our boss wants it done. But this is talking about waiting on the Lord and doing things the way he wants it done. There is scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about waiting on the Lord. Just several, I'm not going to read many at all, but just, I'm just going to read several Psalms. Okay, I'm going to start in Psalms 25. Psalms 25, 4 and 5 say this, and I'm not going to uh, expound much on these scriptures, but I'm just going to read them to you. Psalms 24, 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. We often say that, and it's great. It's right for us as humans to come to Almighty God and say, show me your way. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truths. Oh, but then it says, on you I wait all the day. Oh, there's waiting involved. Waiting on the Lord. You go back just several more chapters. Psalms 27, 13. Actually, we'll just go into verse 14. The end of Psalms 27 says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. We love the being courageous part and the strengthening the heart part, but it says to wait on the Lord, and that's going to happen. The condition is waiting on the Lord. And then he even says in the end, it says, it says twice in that verse, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Several chapters back, Psalms 33. These are just all within several chapters here. Psalms 33 that I just picked out. 18 to 22. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. We love that. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in the mercy to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Ah, but then in verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. There comes that waiting again. For he's our help and our shield. Psalms 20, uh, 37. We're just going to go back several more chapters. Verses 1 through 9. I'm not going to read all, verse, all, all nine verses. But in verse 7, this is a great chapter. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in his land, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. We love that, right? That's in verse 4. But keep reading. Verse 7 says, rest in the Lord. 
This is all part of the same chapter. Rest in the Lord and wait. Here it says how to wait for him. It says wait patiently for him. So this requires patience. And that's something that is hard. It's patience. Because our patience is getting thinner and thinner, at least mine is. And part of it is some, just how quick you can get things. You know, you order it online, you order it ahead, you just, you just, we, we just don't like waiting anymore. But that doesn't change what the Word of God says. That doesn't change God's conditions to wait on the Lord. One more. Lamentations, pull a verse out of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Really? Yeah. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. So we have this, I'm calling it this morning, the secret of courageous strength is waiting on the Lord. Now, the Hebrew definition for this word wait in verse 31 here is eager anticipation. That's a little different style of waiting than what we think of waiting. But that's what it means right here in this verse. Those that wait on the Lord, that word wait is eager anticipation. Something is going to happen. Absolutely, when you trust in the Lord. Something's going to happen. Waiting isn't easy. Waiting is difficult. But when you wait with eager anticipation, it gives a little different perspective on your waiting. Five things here, and I had mentioned some of these here earlier, that waiting takes. I had mentioned that uh, waiting takes courage, it takes trust, it takes determination, and it also takes uh, time. We're going to break that down here real quick, these five things. Waiting takes courage. Courage, why does it take courage? Waiting on the Lord sometimes takes courage to say no when you're not supposed to do something. Sometimes saying no takes courage. But it also involves, sometimes it takes courage to say yes. If you know God is asking you to do something and you look at all your situations and your circumstances and sometimes it's hard. It takes courage to say yes. Waiting on the Lord takes courage. It takes courage sometimes to just simply say, you know what, I'm just staying put because God didn't ask me to move yet. I'm just staying right here. It takes courage to do that. To say, you know what, I'm not moving. Although everybody else around you is moving, maybe going 110 miles an hour. But if God didn't tell you to move yet, then be courageous and just stay put. Waiting takes courage. Waiting requires trust, number two. Trust in what? Trusting in the sovereignty of God. And that he knows what he's doing. See, God is sovereign. He has ultimate control over everything. He is God, you are not. He is God, I am not. And so waiting on the Lord requires trust. Saying, in this time of waiting, God, I'm going to trust that you are sovereign, that you know what's going on. You see the big picture. 
You know what's best. Trust also requires that sometimes you don't get things when you want it. But trusting that God got this. Another thing that, that waiting requires is faith. Believing that God is at work. We need to believe that because God is at work and that he will show you when to move and when not to move. Believe that God is in control and he's going to show you. It takes faith. Having faith and knowing that when God tells you to move or not to move, it's faith. It takes faith to do that. When he gives you, tells you to move, it's important to obey. And I think the more you obey and the more you keep obeying, I think the better you, you become at hearing God's voice. But I also believe the opposite. As you disobey, and the more you disobey, I think it becomes harder to hear God's voice. Waiting on the Lord requires faith. Number four, wait on, waiting on the Lord requires time. It takes time. We all have 24 hours in a day. Whose agenda do you really want to be fulfilled today? Let's use today, for example. Think about it. Whose agenda do you really want to be accomplished? Do we take time... Waiting on the Lord takes time that we need to set aside and connect with God. Number five, waiting on the Lord requires determination. Determination to do the, the top four. Waiting on the Lord requires that we are determined to be courageous. We're determined that we're going to trust. We're determined we're going to have faith. We're determined that we're going to take time. We're going to be determined that we're going to wait for this updraft from God that we can learn to soar. It takes some determination. This isn't just something that we're just going to give in on waiting on the Lord because we can. When our patient runs out, some patience runs out, sometimes we stop waiting on the Lord. Why does God want us to wait? What's the purpose? I believe it's because God has a purpose and a plan. And in order to accomplish his purposes and his plans, sometimes we need to wait. Even though we may think it has to happen right now, and we do things to make it happen, and we probably all experience this to where we will, you know, fight and work and twist and pry to make it happen now, and then it falls apart. God sees the whole picture. He knows what he's doing. See, God is doing things much bigger than just myself and much bigger than yourself. And so recognizing that God is a sovereign God He has the big picture in mind. We only see the here and now. And when God says to wait, then it's important for us to simply wait. 
Wait on the Lord. We're only here for maybe, maybe 100 years if we live that long, right? Pretty long. We think it's pretty long. But on God's timetable, 100 years isn't long. And so in the grand scheme of things, God's got this. But we need to trust him and we need to believe that he got this. And that in our waiting, our waiting can be divine. I'm waiting on God. That's what he says brings the soaring. Is waiting on God. God is always doing things around us. I had mentioned, I, I brought this, I said this quote several weeks ago. John Piper says, God is doing 10,000 things around you. You may be aware of three. God is always up to something. God is not silent. Although when we pray, sometimes he may appear to be silent. He's not silent. He's doing something. God is always working. God is always at work. He's never still. Joseph was a, is a great example. And we know, I think most of us know the story of Joseph. Did you ever catch at the, at the end when Joseph is with his brothers, one of the statements that he says to his brothers? He says to his brothers, I want you to get this. You sold me, but God sent me. Did you get that? He recognizes the sovereignty of God. Joseph went through some very difficult times in his life. Starting as a young boy, being obedient to his father, going to take stuff to his brothers. His brothers are so jealous of him, they want to kill him. And they throw him in the pit. You know the story. And he gets sold as a young boy. Joseph says, you guys sold me, but God sent me. He sees those pictures, those difficult moments, as saying, God is sending me somewhere. That's a proper perspective. Joseph waited for 13 years. Abraham waited for 25 years. Moses waited for 40 years. Jesus waited for 30 years before he started his ministry. So if you're waiting on God, you're in good company. So what does waiting on the Lord look like here in the last several minutes? What does it look like to wait on the Lord? How do, how do we do it? When we're waiting on God, what do we do? Do we just sit there and just sit in our chair? God, just, I'm just waiting on God. Is that what we do? No, it's not what we do. Waiting on God is, all, is being active. It's being active in worship. It's being active in prayer. It's being active in Bible reading. It's being active in Bible study. It's being active on meditating on God's word. It's being active in connecting with God. That's waiting on God. It's not just sitting and not doing anything. It's doing an awful lot. We worship, we pray, we read the Bible, we study, we meditate. Excuse me. We connect with God 
without distractions. What's the deal with that tissue? Keeps. Did I get it all? Connecting with God without distractions. There's one thing that I have learned, and I would encourage you, is when I study God's Word and I read God's Word, I use this right here instead of my phone. I have an app on my phone, and I love the Bible app. But I find myself, when I'm using this to read Scripture, and someone sends me a message. It distracts me. Or I'm reading, and then you get an email. Oh, you just see the headline, and you, you know, push it out of the way right away. But it still distracts me. And then I get a text. Well, then that one, okay, what does this guy want? A text must be pretty important. I should maybe reply to it right away. It's distracting. So I'm going to encourage you this morning, when you're reading the Word of God, to read this like this. The emails won't distract you. The texts won't distract you. The phone calls won't distract you. I'm talking about waiting on God here this morning without distractions. Yes, there are moments and times to where, you know, we have lots of mothers and, and we're raising families. Uh, so we have, there, there are interruptions that are very legit. But there are also some distractions that don't have to be there if we choose not to let them come. So this morning, let's not flap around like a hummingbird. I want us to learn to soar on eagle's wings. But the condition is waiting on the Lord. This is the condition. But those who wait on the Lord, Isaiah 40, 31. And again, this is, this is just one verse. Verse after verse after verse talks about waiting on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's awesome. But the waiting on the Lord part is what we need to learn. That's the condition. Father, this morning, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for scripture. And Father, we see that your word says time and time again to wait on the Lord. So I'm asking here, Father, this morning that you would teach us to wait on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Have a good week. Thank you so much for coming.